Greetings and welcome to the FBC Global Church Podcast. We're the FBC Global Missions Pastors, Scott and Jim. Uh, every week uh, on Monday mornings, we have uh, conducted. We've been conducting what we call a, a global conference or a global gathering, uh, where any of the pastors and church leaders that we work with and have been partnering with around the world that are free to join in, we meet via Zoom. Um, just to keep track uh, of how uh, each other, uh, each other's ministries, churches are being affected um, by what's going on around the world with COVID. Um, Want to pray for one another. Um, just make sure that um, everyone's doing well and and uh, people in their churches are doing well. And uh, we started this back in March um, and have continued on. Uh, all these months. Um, sometimes we will study something together, um, pray for one another. Uh, the last few weeks we've been discussing a topic on uh, establishing the church. Um, we started off with identifying what is an established church, what does it mean, what's the goal, what's the purpose, um, and, and then last week we discussed what does it take to obtain that purpose? What does it take to um, move towards a mature, established, functioning church? And then the topic this week was um, how do we know? How do we know that we're moving in the right direction? How do we know that we're we're accomplishing our you know our purpose and our goal? And. Uh, Jim and I thought it would be uh, interesting um, for us to just um, play the recording from that Zoom discussion that we had this past week uh, as our podcast, and uh, just thought it might uh, be interesting for you all and give you a glimpse into uh, just what our interaction uh, has been, has been looking like um, over the last number of number of months. Um, and, um, you know, and just, uh, to hear, hear some of the things that we're talking about and, and, and that we're discussing as we continue to seek to, uh, equip and, and disciple pastors and church leaders around the world. And so, um, the, this podcast now will, will, will pick up with that recording. So, um, I wanted to continue on with our discussion this morning. Um, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the goal. Um, and we talked about um, God's purposes for the church, that there's a, an eternal purpose, which is you know, to live in everlasting relationship with him, to enjoy this relationship with him. And then another eternal purpose is that uh, the church is going to be an eternal manifestation of the glorious riches of his grace. <clears throat> and then we talked about God have an earthly purpose for the church. And, um, you know, there's many passages that I think kind of um, speak to that earthly purpose, um, becoming conformed to the image of Christ. Um, you know, the church being the pillar and the support of truth, like it says in uh, is it first Timothy three fifteen or second Timothy three fifteen? Um, 
and and the way that that you know the the church is the the only thing on this earth you know that contains the truth you know for for an unbeliever to know the gospel for an unbeliever to um you know come to christ it's the church that can you know that has been given that truth um second corinthians 5 says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation i think that's speaking of the same thing um we also um talked about the church being the the temple of god uh we are indwelt with the holy spirit and so just as the tabernacle and the temple in the old testament um represented god's presence among people so today even though god is omnipresent still his physical presence is manifested through the life of the church through the life of believers and you know to the extent that we walk in the spirit and manifest the fruit of the spirit to that extent are we I think manifesting and revealing the heart of God to the world, to the extent that we walk in the flesh, you know, to that extent is God and the characteristics of God hidden from the world. And, and so if, if these are God's purposes for the church, then we, then last week we talked about, so how do we, how do we get there? You know, how do we, how do we, move the church from immaturity and not knowing God, not understanding these truths, spending probably spending more time in the flesh than they are in the spirit, manifesting the characteristics of the flesh. I mean, just think about, you know, not only your churches, you know, and in the past and present, but also all the other churches that exist in the world. And how many are really functioning well? You know, how many churches are really functioning well according to God's call and design? Um, it, uh, you know, I would say, I would say probably a, a way or a much higher percentage are not functioning well than what are functioning well. And I think it's because of how they're taught and discipled. I think that's the, you know, the biggest issue, <clears throat> what is being taught in the church. And so then that's, that's what we talked about last week. What's it going to take for the church to become, you know, what God has called it to be? What's it going to take for the church to begin living and functioning according to God's call and design? And then last week we talked a lot about uh, the teaching and teaching foundationally, teaching progressively. Um, I think, you know, along with that, we've got to understand how spiritual growth takes place, um, you know, and what the process is and, and how, how people progress onto maturity. I think we need to understand that. We need to be convinced of it um, in order to work towards it. I, I think, <clears throat> to me, that's a that's one of the major misunderstandings I think exists in the church today. Uh, I, you know, I can even see it in our church at FBC. I think, you know, when you, when you look at a lot of the teaching and discipleship that you hear, a lot of it is, I think, more designed 
You know, it's, it's designed to prevent people from failing. It's designed to cause people to live a certain way, to motivate them to stop doing these things and to motivate them to live like this. And, and that's, I, I, you know, you know, I mean, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit is using to conform us to the image of Christ is failure. And not that God wants us to go out and sin and fail, but the reality is, is, I mean, that's what humans do. Humans walk in the flesh and humans sin and fail. And, but it's part of God's process to bring us to the end of ourselves, bring us to where we stop hoping and trusting and depending upon ourselves and bring us to where we're ready to rest in his provision, which is the finished work of Christ. And so like to, to move the church onto maturity, you have to understand that process. Otherwise you're going to be, I think, fighting against what the Holy spirit is trying to do. Uh, you're going to be trying to teach and, and disciple to avoid the work that the Holy spirit is do is seeking to do in people's lives. And so we have to understand that process and that progression uh, in order for it to take place. And, and so today I wanted to talk about, so we understand those things. We understand God's purpose purposes for the church. <clears throat> we understand, you know, uh, what it's going to take to get the church to that point. Um, we, we have, you know, we, we kind of have the end goal defined. We kind of have the process for getting there um, identified. So how do we know if our church is progressing toward that? How do we know if our people are genuinely maturing? Like, how do we evaluate? Do we evaluate? Like, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of churches evaluate this. I, I think a lot of churches, they just, you know, we, we just meet on Sunday and, you know, I, I'm teaching this this week and I'm not sure what I'll teach next week yet. I'll figure it out. I'll find something on the internet or, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of, a lot of that, you know, churches that function that way. And, uh, you know, if that's how church is functioning, I, I think it's, I think it's impossible. It's impossible for that church to, you know, really live and function according to God's call and design. I mean, it is, it's not going to happen. That's, and I think that's the reason why uh, modern day missions is what it is today. You know, the, the picture we have of modern day missions is we have all these missionaries and mission organizations going into countries and doing the work of the ministry for the church. Why? Because the church is so immature and irresponsible and weak, it's constantly relying on outsiders to come in and do the work of the ministry for it. <clears throat> and, and I think the way that, you know, modern day missions is carried out, it keeps the church weak and dependent and immature and irresponsible. And so, so we've identified the goal, the process for getting there. Um, what, how do we know? How do we know that we're headed in the right direction? How do we know that we're, um, you know, that our church is, is, is moving towards and becoming what God has called it to be. 
<clears throat> guys have any any thoughts on that do you guys evaluate your ministries do you evaluate your churches do you evaluate the people in your church like are you are you evaluating to see are you know are are we really moving towards maturity <clears throat> Yeah, good morning. Morning. I think that uh, my thought is that um, we always do that one in evaluation in order now to understand if also all of us, we are growing to a certain degree of maturity or not. Oh, my, uh, my thinking is that um, the question is how do we know I think is that um, when we come through the evaluation and uh, we will also understand because we have identified the call and the call will be the one now propelling us towards that uh, fulfillment of the call that we have identified. And the tool is the teaching that we are using it. So I think that uh, through evaluation, it will just help us also now to see especially those that we are teaching, learning, and starting together, the way also they handle the situation, they pass through it. The way they apply biblical wisdom, understanding the knowledge that they are receiving through those challenges and the situation they are passing through. The way the view they have concerning the situation they are going through. Is it also the way of God or on the humanly or worldly point of view or a courtly point of view? And then when also they take the way of God at point of view, the way also they handle the situation and apply the truth or biblical uh, wisdom, knowledge that they have also uh, received it will help us also now to know uh -uh, these people also, they are also growing and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think that is what I can say. Yeah, good. So basically um, looking, looking at what their responses are to circumstances of life. Can they, are they trusting yeah. God? Are they not trusting God? Um, what are they saying about the circumstances of life? Like, I agree. I think that's a, that is a, you know, one of the things to be looking at <clears throat> that in itself is, is part, I think, you know, part of what we need to look at, but then there are also people who, who, who sometimes say the right things. Um, you know, they'll talk about, you know, I don't know, some situation happens in their life and they know the right thing to say, you know, well, I just need to trust God. And, but they're really not trusting God. They, you know, they, they know that's the right thing to say, but they're really not trusting God. So just by what people say about circumstances, I mean, that, that's part of it, but it, it, it cannot, you know, it, it might also not really be giving the, the full picture. 
are there other things to be looking for and looking at what are what are what else how else are we evaluating oh i think that uh, many times that we have also find many people they say uh if we go with what people they say, then we will not understand. Mm. And I believe that is why God gives us some opportunities to face a certain difficulty moment. Yeah. And that is the what also will cage to we understand what we are confessing, what you are saying or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that is whereby many people they find at a crossroad. And when they Crossroad now, their view or point of view concerning those situations, it will determine whether they trust or they doesn't trust in God. And right. majorly that people, they always now take the situation on their own strength and mm. on their own mind. And now that is where now many they say that, ah, this time I will help myself because God helped those who help themselves, which is not true. God mm. only helped those who trust him. Yeah, and that is now we reach at that point where now now it gives us now there that it divides that groups, those mm. who are just saying and those who are just walking by faith. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no, I you're exactly right, and I think you know like all the times in the Old Testament, um, like I can think uh, particularly with Abraham, you know when God told him to take Isaac and sacrifice him, it says God was testing his faith or test, yeah, right, it says testing his faith, testing to see uh, if he had, uh, but it clearly says that God was testing Abraham, and we know that, well, God doesn't need to test Abraham for God to find out anything, we know God is all-knowing, God knows Abraham's heart and where he's really at, but I think God was doing exactly what um, William was talking about, you know, that that that, that God, God allows circumstances to come up in our lives to reveal to us where we're at, to reveal to us our faith. Are we, you know, are, are we able to trust God or am I not able to trust God? And, and then in, in those, you know, and then, you know, oftentimes, I mean, there were times where God brought up circumstances with Abraham and he wasn't able to trust God. And it was through those circumstances that God was teaching Abraham him that he can trust God. <laughs> and, and then, and then later we see, you know, that he did grow in his knowledge of God and, and his ability to trust God. And, and so, yeah, I think you're exactly right that it's, you know, those, those circumstances that are revealing, revealing our faith that reveal what we're trusting in. Mm. <clears throat> and that is why we, if we see also the, the life of Peter, and the way also Jesus was also discipling him, we see because he was saying, Jesus, I will be with you. Mm. If it means to die, we shall be together with you. But uh, mm. when the journey become tougher, mm. then he just ran away. And that's the way. Now saying it is not very important than also when we face challenges. And, um, that is what I have come also to realize. Mm. Mm. Amen. No, that's good. Anybody else? We had some discussion on that. And even discussions with the pastor of our church here, how do we know people are growing in the Lord? Mm. Um, because in the, in the New Testament, you have very few examples of, of, of 
of a healthy church, except for the problems that Paul dealt with. Um, but in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 13, we find that, um, that when the Holy Spirit uh, uh, told the church in Antioch to set aside Paul and Barnabas, uh, they did and sent them on their way. And I thought that um, Paul and Barnabas were the key leaders in that church, and yet the church have grown so much in the confidence in Christ that they were able to relinquish their key leaders and send them on the mission trip. And so for me, uh, for me a growing church, a sign of the church is growing, it's less dependent upon the key personalities. Um, so many churches are personality driven. And a wise leader would put, point people to Christ and the appropriation of our identification truths. And as people do that, they become less dependent upon the pastor and, 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 and the leaders, so much so that they're able to relinquish those key leaders if they have to. Um, you know. For me, I think, uh, I would like to know is how do people understand the finished work of, work of Christ? Mm. And do they fully, fully comprehend what that actually means? Um, and for me, that will be a sign of a growing a church that is wrestling with those things. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And I think, like, I agree. I think that's where evaluation starts. Um, like when, you know, with Jim and I and the work that we do and meeting, you know, mainly with guys like you all, pastors and church leaders, and we're talking about your churches and like, I mean, that's always the first thing I want to know is what have you been teaching? Um, because if, if, like, if, if, if you haven't begun at the beginning and you haven't taught foundationally and you're not up into the epistles and you've been teaching progressively and foundationally through, well, then I don't have much hope that people are truly becoming established in the faith. And so that's one of the first things I want to know is <clears throat> like, what, what have you been teaching and how far have you taught and like, what do people understand? And, and so then that's, and then that, then I think that's the next phase is, okay, this is what, <clears throat> these are, this is where you began and this is what you've been teaching, but what have they been grasping? Like, like you said, you know, what, what have they been understanding? Cause it's not just about, what we say, but it's what do they understand? You know, that's that really, you know, defines um, or determines what you've taught. You know, just because you said something doesn't mean you taught anything. But what have they caught? You know, if they've if they're catching these truths and these truths are establishing them in the faith and they're learning to walk less in the flesh and more in the spirit, then then yeah, they're they're catching the truths and. And we can say that we taught, but, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's where, I think that's where evaluation needs to begin, you know, is how, how, you know, how far have I taught these people? What have I taught them? Now, go ahead, Cedric. <clears throat> oh, I was uh, two weeks ago when I wasn't part of this group, I was down in Cape Town meeting with one of the, one of the pastors I'm working with. And um, he's been in that area for 25 years now. And he, um, his frustration was that he's dealing with the same issues that it was 25 years ago, even though the congregation has grown in numbers. 
And so he asked me to come up with a discipleship program. And so, and so I said, well, I've, we just finished uh, this creation to Christ and I'm, and I'm, and I'm completing uh, Knowing God in Afrikaans. And I explained to him what, what, what the goal was. He was really surprised. He'd never heard of walking through the scriptures progressively, starting from Genesis. And um, he was, and, but now that we have it in Afrikaans, he was very, very interested. But he was saying for 25 years now, he's 70 years old, but for 25 years now, he's been dealing with the same issues as when he just started. Because, they, you know, on the one hand, he's, he's very honest enough. He was honest enough to, while everybody was complimenting him on the church growth, and he lives, he was, he's in a very, very, very difficult area. Very dangerous, high crime, high unemployment. On the other hand, his frustration because he's not seeing any growth in the church. He has maybe two or three leaders that shares the responsibility, but he, like to, he would like to, of course, expand that. And when I explained to him the, the notion of creation to Christ, he said, man, that's, that's what he's looking for. And I concur, there's been, there has to be a progressive unfolding of, um, of people understanding how God is working. I'm personally grateful that I've worked through knowing God word for word. And I'm beginning, I'm beginning to understand a lot. I mean, I, I, I thought I understood a lot of things, but I don't. Um, and so even this past two weeks, I've been struggling with the last, the second last lesson called um, The Mystery of Christ. I didn't understand what that was. And I worked and I worked and because I came up under, under a system of um, sanctification that was man-based man and man-driven. Ah. And when you speak about the mystery of Christ and talking about Christ is being formed in us, and that is a form of godliness, that's something I'm, I wasn't familiar with. And there's something that I'm, I'm beginning to understand now. Hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, so is, is service um, a, a key sign of proof of people's spiritual growth? It's like, you know, service in the church. William, you said no. Why? <laughs> it is the same as we were beginning saying that it is like also talking because anybody can be an assassin. <laughs> mm. So progressively, we need also to see because here in our church, we have also find many people who have come, they come in the church, they say, I'm a bishop, I'm so and I so, God has called me. But the moment, you know, we begin also moving, he listen what we are uh, teaching, he, listen, he see what we are doing. Eventually we will not also see him. But the first thing he has been asked, he has asked service. Yeah. And before we enter into service, we must be assured how much we are grounded in the truth. Mm. And the truth that we are talking about is what Cedric is talking about it. Mm. Mm. But if somebody wants to serve, isn't that a sign of their heart for God? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. I, I didn't understand what William said, I'm sorry, in the beginning. And I would like to hear it because I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to Fernando mm. uh, he said no 
and y. The reason is before we consider service, we must consider us to be grounded into the truth of who God is and what is able to do it. And many people always, they seek first service than being, the, being grounded in the truth. So really, so I said, what, what you're talking about is motivation. What's what is mm -hmm. really what you're talking about is motivation for service, right? Mm -hmm. Why are they? What are what's motivating them to serve? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it the truth? Like, is it being grounded in the truth that's motivating them to serve, or are they motivated to serve by thinking that they're going to earn something with God? And I think that service it comes from the other. It comes from the truth that you have. I think that's what what the question is. Is service uh, like if, uh, is service an output from uh, good grounding? I mean, good good uh, growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in order to grow, like in a plant. You have to have roots. So I think it is uh, service. I mean, the fruit or service. Service is, is, according to my understanding, is the love for the church, the love for God. Once you have, uh, I mean, like in the beginning, like for new believers, you get to know somebody shares the gospel and then you're very happy and you're the first in your first love and you want to show that i mean you even even though you maybe you don't have the wheel but you're very excited and you want to serve you want to show them in a physical way the love you have and as you grow and you start knowing god now like after several years maybe that uh the holy spirit the, now you understand that it's it's the holy spirit that i mean you've been grounded you're you have grown and then you have the love you yes i, I mean what william is, say, is saying i think it's uh it's right the services are reflect of the the, the grounding and the growing, but I think his answer should be yes. It's a reflect, service is a reflect of, of good, good grounding, good growing, and, and not the opposite. I mean, yeah, the motivation in the beginning when it, for a new believer, I think it's the excitement of new things and new people and I mean older people that behaves or had those different things but eventually it's a, and if it's a fruit it's a reflect I don't want to say fruit just I mean to not mix with the fruit of the spirit but it's a yeah it's a reflection of the, the grounding and growing I think every time mm -hmm. Like every time somebody has a desire to serve, it's always 
It's always because of the grounding, always because they're grounded in the truth. No, uh, not every time. I mean, it, it depends on that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a tricky question. <laughs> it, it is a tricky. It, it is a tricky question. You know uh, it is. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. It is a tricky question, but it. Um, yeah, yeah, let, let, let me it, just, it, it, Mike, Michael, just mm -hmm. like yesterday, we have this sister, she's 75, 76. We haven't been meeting like for this past month. She lives just around the corner of where, the place where we meet. And yesterday, uh, since we didn't meet, it's a, we meet in a house. Uh, since we didn't meet for a long time, uh, there's one part of the, on the backyard, we, we put a roof and isolated. And there's one space that we didn't cover in purpose, uh, small space. Uh, we put a, like a light shade uh, for air to circulate and stuff. And it got bad in bad condition for the weather because we, I think we didn't wear there. We didn't attend. So it collapsed and then we fixed it during this time, got it fixed. And yesterday she told me, oh, when are we going to fix that? And we know her. She's been there for several years. She has known the Lord. And she has a love for the church, uh, even though she's 70 on the risk uh, population, she loves the church. Uh, when we say, okay, we're gonna meet, she's right there, like she's early. And uh, so she told me yesterday, hey, Victor, when, uh, when are we gonna fix that? Because I wanna, I wanna give for that. I mean, it's like, she has a, she doesn't have the need. I mean, she can, and I don't know the, the, what, that comment. I wanna, I wanna. She said, I wanna, I wanna give for that. And I told, okay, you talk to Mary, our finance lady. And the love she showed for caring for the place, even though it's rented. Uh, I mean, she's eager to to give away to to serve in that way. So that, that's a great example for me. And I, I know I know her. And, and yeah, I mean, the love that she showed is uh, through doing things. She's not gonna fix it, but she wants to participate on doing it. That, that's, that was amazing. That was moving for, for I mean, it's awesome. Go ahead, Michael. Um, it is a tricky question um, because I think that, no, I don't think that, um, there are different reasons why people serve. Mm -hmm. uh, one is because of uh, the being led by the Holy Spirit one is because of guilt. Um, but I've seen people that have uh, sat under a, a Bible teaching ministry for 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. 
and um, they had they, and they said it immature, but then they act no better than anyone else. Um, and they tend to, you know, not get involved or they take the best seats in the, in, in the church, you know, and they, they do other things. And, um, but, but I've seen um, um, individuals that have come to Jesus Christ and they're so excited about uh, that new relationship that they're wanting to be able to share that right away with people that um, they meet. They meet. Mm. And so they're going out there, um, they're sharing the gospel. And one of the things they're saying is, I don't know much, but I know that Jesus Christ has saved my life. You know, um, and so I've seen those two different things going on. And so if someone is a believer and um, they may not be any works, then I'm wondering how mature they are. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I look at uh, James chapter one, uh, where he's talking about um, faith and works. You know, and I know that James is one of those uh, books that people are put in, you know, uh, they're, they're wondering about. But I, you know, it's just that um, I've seen different situations. I've seen uh, situations in which um, um, people have come into the church and demanded and they've come just the way they are and the, and the church folks have demanded that they have to be able to dress a certain way in order to come into the church and they come and they may get turned away. But then I've seen how sometimes people may come into the church dressed, the church doesn't bother them. But then as they are progressively hearing God's word and they're growing in the Lord, and they may come upon a passage that talks about, you know, uh, those type of things. I've seen them change for themselves. Hmm. And so the change has been more of a, a Holy Spirit driven thing versus a uh, um, trying to earn salvation thing. And so um, it's a very tricky question. Um, should there be some fruit? Um, I would be in danger to say there should be something, <laughs> you know, if, there's, if they're saying that they're mature. You know, if they're immature, if, if they're a new believer, you know, uh, services, you know, it's, 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 everything depends upon what God is doing in their life, mm -hmm. you know, um, right. <clears throat> and for each person is different. So I'm, I'm probably a heretic now, but uh, <laughs> this is, because um, I've seen different things, you know, in my walk as a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it scares me in the church, from what I see. Yeah. But really, in terms of maturity, what's scary is that you don't see a lot of maturity sometimes in the church. I think that the, I think a distinction can be made between someone that 
we're discipling and that person may be growing, but I don't think that we're necessarily going to see service. I think it, I think it really depends on, you know, where that person is in the growth process with the Lord. Um, so I think if we're discipling someone in about like, so the question is evaluation. Um, we're discipling someone and, and there's evaluating going on and I don't, I don't think we're necessarily going to see service and I don't think it's, I'm not worried about it, but I think, you know, if we're, if we're going to evaluate, um, you know, for maturity, I think that's different evaluation to, um, to see if, you know, if they are, um, you know, getting what's being taught, then, then, that I think that with proper motivation, um, truly led by the Lord, then service is going to be an indicator um, as long as it's motivated properly um, and, let, and, and, let, and led properly, not just from some self-centered motive um, and from, you know, wanting to um, exalt themselves and look good and things like that. But I think that, you know, when we, when we teach and disciple, ultimately it's going to lead to proper motivated service. I, I think, I think the key thing there is uh, properly motivated service, properly motivated um, and not self-centered, uh, self-glorifying uh, service, but properly motivated, being led by the Lord. I agree. Uh, yes. Yesterday at the end of the service, I was asked for one of the young men. Uh, he asked me, he asked both of us, Rafael and myself. Uh, he said, um, what, what is, he had a, a, a question on grace. And he's on the, uh, he's, he wanted to know if, since we're on the graves, uh, on the rest, uh, we need to rest, if that means doing nothing, just being steady and do nothing because we have to rest. So I think that's part of the question that on maturity and we explain him what the rest was, uh, which is trusting the Lord, not trusting yourself. And we told him that that we're called to good, good works. And I've noticed in the the all the, the lessons that we we have. We're in James now, so we have Judah left. Uh, it starts with the foundation, which is creation to Christ or knowing God, all the progression through the letters, the epistles of the New Testament. And it doesn't begin backwards because the last, the last lessons, it's a constant and the letters of Paul and Titus and 
uh, it says, uh, I mean, to, to Titus, to although the Paul's letters uh, speak about good works that we we are called to. So, first, they, uh, the lessons, the chronological lessons, uh, establish the foundation, and then it calls like it ends in like in good works. I've noticed that. And what I notice, I've noticed is the service and the works depend on, on where are you looking at. Uh, we, we know that, oh, I can tell, I've learned, should say I've learned that the maturity, one reflection of maturity is when, when the Christian walks looking unto Jesus. Like his focus is, is in the Lord and not in the circumstances. And no matter what happens, like good, bad, or whatever, you're steady looking unto Jesus in the midst of your life. And <clears throat> when you serve or when you do anything looking unto you, that's a wrong motivation. So that, that's the, just what Jim is saying that depending on what you're looking at. So if you're servicing looking unto Jesus, then it's going to be motivated by the Holy Spirit. But when you're servicing looking unto, unto you, even though you don't know, that's a wrong motivation, I think. And I think, I think it really depends upon um, the disciple, where the person is in the discipleship process. Mm you know, what they've been taught and where they're at in their, in their growth. Because I think we see a specific example of that, as we all know, of Jesus's discipleship of Peter. As we all have read that lesson in knowing God, probably several times for many of us, that throughout Jesus's discipleship of Peter, he didn't ask him to do anything. It was all part of him learning that he cannot trust in himself and his only hope is a, is a trust in God. But then we do know that finally Jesus did say, feed my sheep, you know, feed my sheep and feed my sheep. And so there comes the service, but it was only after the discipleship process. So I think um, that's a key, that's a key part of it is that, service like you're saying um to be properly motivated so i think it's just really important that um that it's where does it where does it fall where does service fall in someone's understanding uh and in someone's growth in the lord i think that's that's really uh, very important Yeah, I think Mary and Martha are a good example of what you're talking about. Um, the reason I asked that about service is because I think, I think service is a major thing that um, churches point to, value, um, really, really seek to motivate people to do. Um, like sometimes I think that's even their goal is to motivate people unto service. Um, 
and, and, and with many, I think, um, obedience and service is synonymous with spiritual growth. It's, it's synonymous with maturity, you know, Oh, this person's mature. They're obedient. They serve. I, I think that's a, like one of the first things, if you were to ask this question, you know, what is a mature believer? They're obedient and they're serving. I, I just think that's going to be, you know, among the top answers that most pastors and church leaders give. And like you're saying, people can be obeying for wrong motives. People can serve out of wrong motives. Um, you guys have probably all been through the spiritual gift inventory lesson, the booklet. And you know that each spiritual gift has a fleshly manifestation. Well, people with it, there are people with the gift of service and they love to serve. And if they're not discipled unto maturity, they're going to, you know, they're going to serve out of wrong motivation. They're going to serve to feel good about themselves. They're going to serve to exalt themselves. Uh, I think there's people that, that um, maybe not have the gift of service, but they view service with obedience, with having daily devotions, with, you know, all the other things that they think they've got to do in order to be acceptable to God. And so their service, their willingness to serve is an effort to make themselves acceptable to God. <laughs> I think that's another wrong motivation for for serving or obeying or reading your Bible is because you're not trusting in the blood of Christ. You're not trusting in the finished work of Christ. If you're trusting in anything else to feel acceptable before God, then you're not walking by faith. And so, yeah, I, I think service and obedience would be um, two things that you know, most are really highlighting as signs of, and like you said, Victor, it can be like, you know, it depends on how they've been, you know, how, how, how well has this person been taught and discipled in unto the finished work of Christ. And so their service might be the outflow of that, but it also might not be. It, I think it's interesting back to the story of Peter. I think, you know, Christ had the ultimate discernment. You know, he, he, he was all-knowing. And so here's Peter saying he'll serve Christ through dying for him. And, and Jesus said, you know, get behind me, Satan. And um, because Jesus knew that his motivation for service was self-centered mm -hmm. and motivated in the flesh. And, and so I think that's a, you know, good example where peter said i'm I, i'm gonna serve and i want to serve and jesus says no you're gonna fail <laughs> and um if we could you know um just be it can again it comes back to the motivation and so as you know as church leaders <clears throat> and pastors um you know people want to serve and you know just to be if you you never want to squelch anybody's desire to serve, but to be, if we can be discerning in their reasons for serving. And I think, I think we see that 
you know, Christ being all knowing, he was discerning in Peter's reasons for serving. Like it was, it was self-centered and self-exalting. And um, if we could, if we could be discerning, obviously we can't be discerning it to that same degree because we're not Christ and we're not all knowing. But I think as we're discipling people and we're involved with people, you know, we're going to have, you know, some idea and some sense in terms of where they're at spiritually. Yeah. So are they looking to serve to, so that they'll be recognized in the church and so that they'll feel good about themselves and they'll feel like they're more accepted by God? Or based on our discipleship and interaction with them, do we feel like they're wanting to serve genuinely motivated by the Lord? Yesterday night, we've been talking with Adriana, my wife, on uh, now that all people is dying. And they, one of them is alone. And it's been a, like, we've, we've seen it in several couples that have been married for a long time, like 15 some years. And then one day in these times, uh, we've been talking about, I mean, it's a different topic, but uh, uh, what are we going to do when one of those die? Like when we get old and then the children are gone. And so yesterday I told that to Adriana, we were in the car and I told, even if I have to die, I will never leave you. <laughs> so we know Peter's motivation. It's like, yeah, you're failing. I, I mean, in that, that you, you can see just what you said, Jim. Um, Peter used the I, I will never leave you. You can, you can, you can see that when, when people uses a lot of that word, me, I, all, the, all those me, I, or, or that's uh, the mouth speaks from the heart. What's the, uh, you know, so when people say, I will do that, or me, or mine, or whatever, that's very self-centered, uh, not, not, not growing, I think. Yeah. I think that God also does with people according to where they're at spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, and also they deal with them according to their personality. Mm -hmm. You know, um, people have different personalities. You know, some people are timid, some people are outgoing, you know, and, you know, um, for some, God needs to encourage them and to be able to um, bring up their faith versus their fear. For others, God needs to be able to tap down their boldness, you know, and to be able to get them to um, depend more upon him. Um, for me, um, I tend to be somewhat timid um, and fearful. And I found that um, often I found that if I'm dependent upon the Lord, he takes me in places I don't want to go. <laughs> so, and um, where I have to depend upon him. And, and I know that the work belongs to him and not to myself. Amen.
Yeah, I think you've touched on another thing there that I think is important to consider is uh, how people are wired different and gifted different. Um, we have different personalities. We're, um, we have different gifts. We're wired differently. And what, what might be trusting God for one person might be totally trusting self for another person. Mm. You know, like, you know, Jim and I could, we, you know, we could be in a situation and we could both do the exact same thing. And for him, it might be trusting God. And for me, it might be trusting myself. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's all determined by, you know, motivation of the heart and, and that type of thing. And, um, and so you, you know, I don't think there's anything that we can just lay across the board and say, oh, well, if every person in my church is doing this and this and this and this, and when these situations come up, this is what they do, then that means they're trusting God. Like he can't do that. And I think, I think that's a lot of what has happened in the church or in Christianity today. If you're, if you're having faithful devotions, if you have a consistent prayer life, if you're faithful to go to church, if you're, you know, volunteering to serve in the church, you know, if, I mean, we have this whole list of things that if we see this, these things in this person's life, then they're mature and somebody can be doing all that and still be very, very fleshly. And so again, it comes down to as the pastor, as the church leader, what have you been teaching? What have you been just, you know, what's the content of your discipleship? You know, in first Peter five, um, Peter's talking to the elders and he said, he tells them to know their flock, know your flock. Like, I think that's part of what it means to know your flock. Um, what have I taught them? What do they understand? Not just what have I taught or said from the pulpit, but what do they understand? And so then, you know, I think uh, that brings us to another part of evaluation is, and I think maybe William touched on it earlier about, you know, circumstances coming up in people's lives does help to reveal what they're trusting in or who they're trusting in. Um, I think another way of evaluating is, is, you know, giving, giving people the opportunity to teach and disciple other people. Like, I, I think that's a huge part of not only somebody's growth and discipleship, but also an important way for us to evaluate what do they understand? Because they're going to teach what they understand. <laughs> They're, they're not going to be able to teach what they don't understand. Um, like, you know, if somebody doesn't understand, like I, I just, I just even look at my own life and I, you know, if I look back at how I taught through the lessons, you know, 15 years ago to how I teach through them today, it's night and day different, very, very different. And I mean, I, I believe that God has grown me. And I have, be, you know, and he's given me and, you know, brought me to where I can more effectively and more accurately, more clearly, you know, teach through those truths. Whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, 
it was more difficult to understand the big picture and how how does grace and works fit together you know i i mean early on anything anytime anybody talked about works it was whoop i just put that out because you know i went from one ditch to the other and i didn't understand how the two work together and that just takes time and and growth i'm saying with regards to discipleship as uh jim or cedric mentioned you know uh vis-a-vis -vis, uh service so i'm saying um if for instance uh i have a discipler uh will it be good to make efforts like to engage him into services or maybe okay one way to engage him directly or and then the other way maybe he sees uh, something that he wanted to do you know uh where, where is the place of that in in maturing in, in 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 discipleship and then as as the new believer grows up that's the question and then to comment on the to comment on that uh i i i i, I am with the I, I believe i don't know maybe maybe here in africa it's 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 really really common to find people, you know, going into service without necessarily understanding their position and their stance spiritually. And, and that becomes a problem. You know, I can tell you, I have a couple of friends whom we've grown together. In fact, when we were in the world, they were seen as, 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 as church boys and girls. And they are still in the church, but they are not mature. In fact, most of them are, are, are using, you know, the services in the church as a cover-up. And, and, and the society sees them as righteous in cool. So it's, it's, it's I, I, I tend to believe with, uh, I, I mean, I tend to go with Williams by saying, no, I think if someone comes to the saving knowledge of Christ, he should learn, he should learn you know, uh, he should be disciple and, and learn under his master. Let it be that it is in the process of learning that he feels, yes, this is my service. I have discovered it. Let me just go, you know, into serving rather than just coming to, to Christ today and then you begin to get involved into services and all that. And another, another, another thing with regards to that, that it's really, really a problem, especially in Nigeria is we, from the Northern part, you discover that when somebody from Islam comes to Christ, one way to get him away from his family and persecution is to send him to the seminary or Bible colleges. You know, this is somebody that just left a faith all he needed at that point in time was some level of, you know, fundamentals and then uh, discipleship. But you have sent him to a seminary and then a Bible college where he will be confused the more. Mm -hmm. so, so it's really a problem in Africa. So I thought I should comment on that and then like the question I pull through, the place of discipleship with regards to, I mean, the place of service 
with regard to uh, discipleship. Thank you. Anybody have any thoughts on John answering John's question? <clears throat> Um, just to say what, what John is that um, again in, in the churches in Africa here, as soon as they get someone who is uh, say a manager or is a wealthy man or is a person of me means of need of means, the first thing they do is to try to put him into leadership because exactly. he can, uh, because the churches are so needy for for that kind of for an educated person. And that caused a lot of problems. Uh, the church I, we were working here in George is that the pastor just put people in, in, uh, in, uh, on the elder board who were business people, uh, lawyers, you know, uh, people who, have, uh, who are strategically placed in the community. And the church had a massive split because these men just destroyed the church. So John is right. They need to be a waiting period, a long waiting period before people are are used in the church, um, but we uh, leaders, leaders here in Africa, we're eager to use people that are educated and people who are prominent in the community and cause a lot of problems um, because those guys are so much in the flesh. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, I, I have um, a two, I have a two, I have a two scenarios here in Malawi. Uh, uh, this is in relation to the first uh, question Scott, uh, I mean Scott put up with regards to evaluation. You know, I, I visited I visited a church with one of the pastors, and uh, they were treating the book of Timothy, particularly uh, where it was talking about you know uh, criterias for being an elder. <laughs> Do you know that one of the elders, dear and then. He stepped down. He felt, you know, he was he was involved in extramarital affairs, and so he felt he's not worthy to become an elder. It's, it's more like to see that the teaching has hit him, and then he he saw his shortcomings. You understand? So so in that in 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 that aspect, I will say. You know, he, he he felt convicted by the Holy Spirit so much so that he he sees himself not worthy, you know, to 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 be called a, an elder, and mm -hmm. and this is in relation to what what Cedric just said. This is somebody within that village that, to some extent, has some you know uh, financial stability. He farms a lot, and then he's like helping out the church. But then he was living in a secret scene, not until he got exposed to, you know, that teaching. And then, you know, he felt he's no longer worthy to be an elder. And then the other scenario still on the evaluation is, this is some in one of the churches, of course, I was called and then I was told, this is somebody that was so committed. In fact, he's one of the, 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 the leaders in Malawi, in terms of elders of a church that you know I, I reckon with and I respect, but I was called, you know, few weeks ago to 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 be informed that he he has left to go and start up his 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 own church, you know, and what was his reason of leaving? 
he feels church is like a business and 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 is lucrative so he he wants to gather people and then start collecting tithe and offering and all that so 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 just like uh michael said the question is tricky on this side you have somebody that you know you will least expect that the teaching will hit him and then he was living in secret sin this person came out to say based on what i have received i am convicted by the holy spirit that i am not worthy to become an elder mm -hmm. and then another scenario is that somebody that we we see him as you know spiritual you know somebody that loves god and then he left simply because he wants to start up his own church so he can be making money so 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 these are the two scenarios that practical uh, you know uh experienced here yeah in malawi with regards to uh, evaluation and all that yeah thank you and so you're back to your uh, remind us of your original question again i think the question was if we're discipling someone is it appropriate to in, encourage them towards service is that is that right john Uh, yeah, yeah, I said absolutely. That that is that is the question. And to add to and to to add to that question again is, ha, I mean, these things are very, very, are very, very crazy here in Africa. You you find a pastor who is mentoring someone. Like I've experienced that when I was in the seminary, my roommate, he was being mentored by a pastor. But believe you me, I see that more of an exploitation because he, he, he washes the cars of the, the guy, he washes his clothes, he, he's an errand boy. Almost everything that has to do with that pastor, you know, was being done by this young man that is being discipled. And you have so many cases in Africa where a pastor is discipling someone, but the 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 the, the person, the discipler, becomes an errand boy, uh, uh, you know, a houseboy, and all that. Where is the place of service in discipleship? So they're discipling them to be deacons and not church leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Let me translate this to Fernando because I'm starting with it. Perdón, que hay pastores en África que agarran a los nuevos convertidos, a los muchachos como sirvientes, como esclavos, casi que les laven el carro, que les hagan cosas, pues. Yeah, awesome. So, so any, uh, you guys have any answers for John? Is it okay to, somebody that you're discipling, is it okay to encourage them to serve? <clears throat> to wash the car? Yeah. <laughs> well, I that's, like, to me, that's part of the answer is is defining service like like what are you encouraging them to serve in you know what so you guys have any <clears throat> thoughts on answering yeah, you, don't, question? you don't you don't i mean you don't ask a newborn baby that comes to the world that seems like like you don't ask, you don't ask talula to fix breakfast or wine hmm. i mean she doesn't know how to Turn on the uh, stove. 
so you don't ask uh, I mean a kid in, uh, to do to clean the house and to do to go out of work and get supplies from the supermarket because they don't know they have to to go to go through a learning process and you, you we have kids I mean, you don't ask your kid to drive your car, even though they, when when they are just the age when they can, they can't even reach the pedals, and they say, "I want to drive. Put me in the front and the wheel." I mean, you don't let them drive because they won't be able to. So that I think it's the same with us. In, I mean, there's gonna be that that desire to surf, to drive the car. Um, yeah, you can put them in the wheel. They're not going to reach the pedals, but um, through the learning process and growing and maturity, that's when the real serve the valued service, like uh, the God seeing uh, service will, will come, I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also think. Um, my contribution to that is that in the wisdom of God, in his word, he has given a priority to discipleship of a believer than service. Mm. He, he doesn't require service before you are a disciple. Mm. God first prioritizes discipleship. Then once you one is well discipled, service will be a fruit produced by uh, proper discipleship. So, and I think the problem um, we have, especially here in Africa, is we have church leaders who are not properly discipled. They, therefore, it goes without saying that they cannot also properly disciple mm, other believers. Right. If you look at... Um, the wisdom of God's word, just like when God delivers the children of Israel from Egypt, in his own word, he says, I delivered you and brought you to myself. And what we mean is that God delivered them and brought the children of Israel to himself, meaning they were supposed to just trust him and that is what we call discipleship. He didn't want them to do anything. He just mm. brought he just mm. brought them to himself first. Then in the New Testament, look at um, Jesus Christ calling his disciples. Every time he's calling them, he's telling them, follow me mm. and I will make you. So you see that progressively, mm. God in his wisdom, he wants discipleship first, then service follows as a fruit, as a result of proper discipleship. And therefore, even when Jesus Christ calls his disciples, he says, follow me first, then I will make you, then you become fishers of men. So the art of fishing men is a service which has been produced as a result of proper, proper discipleship. discipleship. And therefore, I think here, let's say 
the confusion we see in the church, I also don't agree that Sathi is, is an indicator of spiritual growth because it depends on um, what which motive is one serving from because like personally in our church we have examples of very many people who have come and they come with very high titles but um, they will not be in that church for even two months they will run away Others will come with such titles and when they get there after two, three Sundays, if you tell them, brother, can you share a message with us? He will say, no, 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 let me first sit down and learn. So it, it depends. But I think here in our case, we have many church leaders who are never properly discipled and therefore they cannot disciple other believers well. And like what example John is giving, uh, I don't think discipleship entails or um, entails having uh, new believers like washing your car. It, it, it's just it's it's just showing that this leader lacked proper discipleship, so he's also wrongly discipling new believers. I think that is my contribution to that question. And maybe also to add is that um, if also we define service out of the context that uh, I think Eric is giving out, then it will also bring headache to us on the way uh, because of the people maybe we receive. Because the first calling is unto God himself mm -hmm. and he has called us to him to make us. So it is he who will determine where we feed to serve. That's, mm. So us is to rest yeah. and try and allow the Holy Spirit to come to reproduce the life of Christ in us. And that one, it will also lead us the path to follow. And now service, it will not be a problem. Uh, we have been also, we are not saying that we are good, but we have a lot of mistakes that we have made. And we are trusting God also to call them. Mm -hmm. Like uh, now my brother here, because he came from a church whereby also he was a leader there and he was a person of that. But when we begin, we begin with him only creation to Christ face, faces. Mm -hmm. And then he find it was new. And he was also having some opportunity of teaching pastors in that church, in the ministry that he was. And I remember that we were also staying and we were sleeping in this house. But... Uh, uh, not in this house, the, another house that which we were living in. But uh, we reach at a point whereby John is saying, which point to I as a pastor, as a discipler, now to begin testing the disciple or the learner, now by also testing him with some opportunity to serve. He said, how? That is also the question he's asking. Now, is now the question is that uh, now it returned back to evaluation. How are we evaluating the progressively with what we have been also sharing together with him? Mm -hmm. And what you have said is called that if somebody is not chronologically also following, especially the lessons that God has ordained to establish our faith and our spiritual growth, then we will also miss the mark and miss the call. Mm -hmm. And that is where now many churches here, because if somebody also break from another church, is not properly prepared and make, he begin the ministry. So all the people that he will receive, 
he will be in a position of discipling them in his own strength, his own mind. And discipleship now to reach this point, it will become also now uh, a headache to us. And we're also finding somebody who will continue so now to give us headache and the problem that we are save, uh, facing as, uh, as um, uh, especially here in our country, whereby also we see a lot of mess. And the issue is the design of the teaching, the content of the teaching, biblical content. That is what they teach. That, that is now, which is also, I think, they lack. And because they lack, they doesn't also now present the right stuff, which also pro, uh, will make those disciples to be what God wants to be. So because they have that desire, they have that desire to serve. But because now they haven't also prepared well, they will not also serve well. And that is why we say service must be steam from properly preparedness. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, and, I, and I think Victor's example of kids is uh, like a, a physical example of that principle. You know, that's the exact same thing that takes place with kids. And John, I think it comes back to, um, you know, that passage, First Peter 5, Peter encouraging elders to know their flock. Like, I just think that's part of knowing, knowing the person you're discipling. And part of that is, you know, knowing what you've taught, knowing, you know, how you're discipling them, but also knowing what maybe what their spiritual gift is and what they're capable of. Um, you know, are they like, I, I think, I think what we're encouraging them to do, they need to have the capacity for, they need to be and gifted for, um, um, you know, like, like teaching. Um, I don't know that we would like, I think everybody can like, there's a place for every believer to teach and disciple um, for many, it might just be in one-on-one -on -one situations. It might not be up front in a big public gathering, but for others, that would be a place for them. Like, I think that's part of discerning that. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you think back to our progression with the, the pastors there in Malawi, you remember when you first came to Malawi and, and we were talking about the work and uh, we were laying out for you, you know, the progression that we're following, you know, or we're going through with the, with the pastors. And if you remember, um, we brought up with you that eventually we're, we're going to come to the point where the, the translation, like rather than us going to Malawi and teaching all the pastors through the lessons that eventually it would be the translation team that is doing that. And I remember at one point, um, you know, we suggested that maybe the next trip we, we have the pastors do that, or the translation team, you met with the translation team, yeah. and all of you decided that they weren't ready for that. Yeah. And so we continued to go and do that work. Um, then if you remember back to our African leadership conference that we had there in Malawi, and was it 2017? Um, we had, we had you share a devotional. We had James Bonda share a devotional. We had, uh, old James from the long way share a devotional. Uh, I can't remember if we had anybody else. 
Well, the purpose of that, <laughs> the reason why we asked you guys to do those devotionals was because we wanted to evaluate. We wanted to hear what are you emphasizing? You know, yeah. what is what is what is John sharing in his devotional? What is James sharing in his devotional? What is their focus? And that really helped clue us in on, you know, what your focus is and what you're trusting in. And, and then it's been through the times that we have come and sat with the translation team. And I, I'll never forget, you know, when we were, I think it was when we were going through Ephesians, like we had gone through creation of Christ, we had gone through position in Christ, we had gone through Acts, we had gone through Romans, and now we're in Ephesians. And I'll never forget those meetings there at Annie's Lodge with the translation team. And, and really, that was the first time that we really began to hear the translation team articulating back to us the truths of grace and the truths of the finished work of Christ. And it really, it, it really began to come clear to us that, okay, these, these guys are really getting this. We're, yeah. you know, we're beginning to hear it from them now. And so, and so, and then very quickly after that, um, then, then we, then after, uh, then Jim and Cedric went and did first Corinthians. And that was the first time that uh, the translation team participated in the teaching of the lessons to all the pastors. And then COVID hit and now it's been the translation team, you know, that has been teaching the pastors through the lessons. And so to me, that's an example of that progression, you know, of discipling and slowly turning over responsibility to people as they're ready for it. Like as you're evaluating. <clears throat> wow. That's, that's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts on any of that? I want to know if Juan asked Delula to fix for the frame. Of course she of course he does. <laughs> she gets out play-doh and plates and she makes uh, tacos and burritos and brings it to him. She goes out and plays in the mud and makes him mud pies. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> as, as much as she can, she helps, you know. She sets the table sometimes. Um, she helps me feed the dogs. And um, it's part of a, a game for her, but uh, I end up doing most of it. But she has a little bit of responsibilities, you know that we are trying to to teach her but uh, we're always we're always there so yeah i think uh at the beginning is kind of like that you know you're kind of the, the the parents who help them go through life and then uh, we step away and let them go through trials and stuff and i think discipleship it's kind of similar because you know people go through difficult circumstances and uh, 
And since they have seen how to live the Christian life, they have an example and they have seen many times. So then now they can do it the same or just trust the Lord in that part. And um, that would be great when we see that in our, in our church to see other members trusting the Lord and, and doing it not because someone tells them to do it, because, but because they're trusting in the Lord. And um, so it's, it is really nice to see when that happens, you know, because you are not expecting, it's not that you are setting them on a trap to evaluate them, <laughs> but um, God does that. So it is awesome to see when that happens. And, and for me, I, I wish to see more of that happen in the church. I have a question for for all the brothers that have grown kids, uh, all their couples. Uh, do we have as men and women different perspective on how to teach our kids? Maybe Jackie can help us. I, I'm, I'm, I I think like men men are more. Uh, we like to take more risk and teach our children to make mistakes. And maybe women are more conservative on that and they don't want them to fail. Is that right? Or that's a Mexican mama thing? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm living this situation because my, my older daughter is uh, finishing school next year, Lord willing. And seems like, yeah, I want her to learn by experience, but the wife uh, thinks that it's not necessarily to, to make mistakes. It's just a general question. What do you think, Cedric? You're muted. I, um, I, I raise my children perfectly. I have no problems. So, no, okay. no. I, I found that uh, with my but yeah, you don't want them to make mistakes, but you also can't prevent that. Um, uh, my daughter, who was living with me after she finished um, university. Um, I was, I felt I was getting in the way of the Lord by always rescuing her. Mm. Uh, and that is why I, I told her that since you are, uh, you are a U.S. citizen, uh, you have to be out of my reach. So I won't be able to rescue you. And I do not want to take a place of God in, in her life. And um, I spoke to her recently, and she's been in the U.S. now for two years. Um, she's in, in, gone into the U.S. Navy. But she said, the past two years have been the most growth period in my life. It never grew so much uh, because I was, I, I felt I was getting in the way of God working with her. And so it's a it's a dilemma, it's a dichotomy that we face. Sometimes we, 
we don't want them to get hurt, but then when we do, we become obstacles in God's, in God's way. So my advice is you, you have to entrust your kids to the Lord, and the Lord is more able to take care of them than you are. Uh, we had the same discussion here with my younger son, but my wife um, was, I was afraid to let him go to Cape Town where he was working. And um, I said, you know, Daniel was right within our own home and he had a massive heart attack right in the home. And so we could not prevent that. We had to, um, we had to entrust him to the Lord. And even under our care, something happened to him that was beyond our control. So my lesson is you have to entrust your kids to the Lord because the Lord is better able to take care of them than we are. You know? uh, how's that your, make, does it make sense? How's Pauline's, how, Pauline's heart on that? She's, a, she's a fearful, but uh, she, she's, uh, you know, we go along, but it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah, we had to do the same thing with our son. Um, I was going to say, ask Michael. He's an expert. <laughs> I see. I see Simon's. Might be quiet then. <laughs> I think Simon has something to share as well. <laughs> I would like to hear you all with all the kids. Yeah, Michael has some experience. He can tell you. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. Please. I'm sorry. Thank you, Cedric, uh, for putting me on a spot like that. Um, I can always guarantee Cedric would do that. Um, one of the things, you know, with us, we've, we've had issues with our, with our son. Um, and um, He's confessed to be a, a Christian. He's, you know, had been, you know, going to the Lord and um, praying deeply. But then during his high school years, he had some issues. Um, but one of the things that, uh, as you know, Bernadette and I you know, talked about this, one of the things he had this unhealthy relationship with Bernadette. Um, and pretty much we were being the, the rescuers. Um, and we felt as though we were getting in God's way of um, what God wanted to do um, in and through him. And there were some life lessons that he needed to be able to, to do. Um, and so we released him. Uh, it was difficult, very difficult. Um, this is even before we came to, uh, came to Africa. And... Um, he had some difficult time, but then one of the things he, he said to us was that really um, the lessons that you have been teaching us, you know, uh, teaching me, you know, I should have listened to you, you know, and um, the things that he saw were things that um, really, he, you know, turning him more and more to the Lord, even though he's not where he should be. But um, he's not where he was, you know, um, a few years ago, you know, but it was, you know, when we released him and when he was able to be under God's care versus our care, um, he grew. He grew um, 
a bit spiritually um, and maturity wise. Um, he's not where he should be, um, but he's better than what he was. And so God is still working with him. And so the danger has always been to be able to, as a parent, to get in God's way um, of what um, he wants to do with our children. Um, and I say that because I experienced it myself in terms of, um, you know, my parents were always, you know, was always there for me. But it wasn't until I really uh, got away that really I saw God for, my, for the first time in a different light and my faith began to grow. You know, and so um, our kid needs to be able to have really a faith of their own and not just a faith dependent upon, upon the parents. So, I don't know if that made any sense or not. Yeah, thank you very much. Who else has, Simon? Yeah. I was just trying, wanting to say that uh, uh, Virginia, my daughter, joined the university this year. And uh, yesterday, uh, the students uh, started to riot yesterday. Mm. And, uh, and when she came home yesterday, I mean, uh, on Friday, that's when they said the government has tripled their school fees. They have to pay triple the amount they have been paying. So the student said they are going to riot starting from today. And we did not want her to go to school today. Mm. But uh, that's together with Mary and uh, we were on this one together. But she said that since they are having a test today and the teacher has not communicated to them that it will not be there. She said, it's good that she go. And uh, she said, Let, let's trust God that he'll take care of us. Hmm. And so when she made that statement, we, we let go. So we, we, she just woke up in the morning and went to school. And uh, my wife reminded me later, have you asked Virginia how she's doing? And so I, I just wrote a message and she responded back. She said, everything is cool, but the police are still uh, roaming around the school. And so all I'm saying is we, we, we are fearful about, this, uh, about the situation, but then she, she, she herself was saying, uh, she was like, let's trust God. And uh, I thought like, we, we as parents feel overprotected. Uh, we want to protect our kids. We just want to be there. And that's what I wanted to be if I'm there. But I was just saying, if I'm there, what do I do when the police come in? What do I do? So I, I think it's good to what Cedric has just said that just allow God to work through their lives. I think we can apply all these to if we've been placed in a responsibility with the church, within the church, we it's applicable as well. I mean, we can 
we have to trust the Lord also that some brethren are going to make mistakes and we can teach them by example and lead them by example. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid that they're going to screw it or they're going to, I mean, go wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Lord is going to take care of it. Yeah. Well, Jackie, if you hear us, I appreciate me, me, myself, and your experience as a mom. Well, honestly, sometimes I think that's an area where we can actually become legalistic, you know, regarding the teaching. <laughs> you know, as much as we preach grace and the finished work of Christ, we can become very um, controlling and legalistic over it. <clears throat> and, you know, like I, I look back when when god first led us to thailand like like right now you know i'm in a place in our church where we have some young people being raised up that want to be involved in missions and jim and i have talked a lot that you know anybody that we're going to send out they've got to be grounded in these truths and they've got to be able to teach these truths they got to be somebody that's already been teaching somebody these truths and i look back you know where i was when i went to the field and I wouldn't have sent me to the field. I wouldn't have, <laughs> I didn't understand these truths at all. I was very legalistic and, you know, God divinely intervened and opened my eyes to these truths in time, you know, while I was in language study in time to understand, you know, begin to understand. And so that I could ground the Quran church in these truths. And, and he did that work. And, and so, you know, on the one hand, you know, I was at a place back then where I didn't have anybody involved in my life. I wasn't a part of a church that was grounded in these truths and discipling in these truths. And so there wouldn't have been, you know, any opportunity for me to understand these truths apart from what God did, you know, and, and he did that. He did that work. And and so on the one hand, you know, I, I absolutely believe and trust that he can do that work wherever, whenever, with whomever he, he decides, you know, he can do that. But at the same time, he has us at a place where we do understand these truths and we are discipling in these truths. And so I think there's also the responsibility of, you know, that we have uh, along with it of not trusting in ourselves, trusting in him, but understanding, you know, that, he has brought us to these truths and he has us in place to be discipling people into these truths. And so, you know, on the one hand, I went to the field and, you know, if it was today, I wouldn't have sent me to the field, but at that time there wasn't any choice. And so, but for me today, where we're at and with the understanding we have to send somebody to the field in the same condition that I was at when I went to, I feel like it would be negligent on our part. And, and so, you know, there's, you know, there's the two, the two sides to that coin. <clears throat> I don't know that that, you know, the question you raised, I don't know that it's a necessarily a difference between men and women. I think, I think sometimes in giftedness has a lot to do with that. Like I can look at Annette and I, and, you know, she has the gift of service. And so, she, I mean, if our kids needed something, she was doing it. And I was often like, 
they can do this for themselves. They need to do stuff for themselves. They, you know, they need to learn to do stuff for themselves. And, and so a lot of that had to do, I think more with in giftedness than the fact that I'm a man and she's a woman. Um, and then obviously the flesh, you know, has a lot to do with that. And, you know, we can, you know, sometimes, you know, our, what we think is right can really just be a manifestation of our flesh. You know, we could be self-centered in it. We could be, you know, whatever seeking, you know, to glorify ourselves through our kids' obedience. I mean, that's, that's where I was at when my kids were little, my, my kids were a reflection on my parenting. And so, you know, I, I look back on it and I, I just regret, you know, how self-focused I was and, and, um, you know, I was in the training, you know, and you're being evaluated and part of what you're being evaluated on is how you raise your kids, how you, you know, raise your family. And so, uh, I look back on it now and I just, uh, I could throw up. <clears throat> yeah. You don't want to fail as a parent. Yeah. Right. When that you, you want them to succeed and being. Yep. Yeah. 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 But we we ourselves didn't learn that way. Yeah. Oh, my me. <laughs> she said. Yeah, I look at I look at my sons today, and they're I, I feel like they're much much better dads than I was. <laughs> they're I, I feel like there's a uh, you know their focus is their kids and not themselves, and uh, for the most part. Really appreciate everybody joining in this morning and all that you all had to share and hope hope these discussions are helpful. <clears throat> uh, Eric, would you mind closing us in prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, we appreciate you for the opportunity to meet and share what we have shared. And we thank you for everyone who joined in. This has had to edify our faith and also improve on our discipleship skills. We pray that Lord, everybody will bring in our lives. We trust you to work in their lives, even as we teach them the truth. We bless your name that as we depart, you will always be our leader and uh, guide us in every step we take till we meet again. We Amen. praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So in the uh, coming weeks, if there's any, any topic or any subject, you know, regarding the church and establishing the church or ministry or, you know, that you would find helpful, you know, just discussing as a group and, you know, learning from one another, uh, feel free to send us an email and, and suggest it. Mm -hmm.